Hey, Kevin. What's up? What's the longest we've gone without doing a recording in the pandemic era or in the pandemic episodes? Probably Is it three weeks? Is it maybe two to three weeks tops? Well, this it, will be the longest now. It's been three weeks. It's been three weeks since we were last recording, and that was Thanksgiving. Tonight, it's Halloween. Yep. So, yeah, three weeks. I think either either we're surpassing it or we're at least tying it. I I have to look, look at the uh, dates of the other Pandemic series episodes, just to be sure. Not as long as uh, every other month. Like, well, yeah, like we were doing before the pandemic, yeah. Or like once a month or whatever, yeah. Yeah, basically. it was always dependent on your schedule. Yeah, and that's a, well, that's my excuse over the last three weeks. My schedule has sucked. I've been occupied. But uh, I think it's about to open up. And I just explained to Kevin why. That's another story. <laughs> Worth, well, it, once again, it's probably why you should come to the tapings live. So Hopefully you're allowing that now, but eventually, <laughs> <laughs> we're still we're still in a pandemic. Technically, it I is was, Halloween. Yeah, because I was thinking like that's not what you told me like ten minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Well, that's another story altogether. Yeah. Well, okay, this is the first time you're doing the Space Eater chat one-on-one -on -one with me. Yeah, one-on-one, -on -one, yes. Yes, you did a, we did it a couple weeks ago, or months ago, when we did the, well, when we watched Shang-Chi, I think it was, right? Yeah. The night, the night we watched Shang-Chi. So this is the first time you're doing this one-on-one -on -one with me. So it's only Jeff to go with the uh, Space Eaters. Okay. To do uh, do them one on one, at least of the regular crew. This oh, I do have a Halloween do. thought. This huh? I'm sorry. Uh, I would oh, like yeah. to say this was overdue because sometimes I would see you guys doing your space heaters, and then I think like, oh, how come I didn't get the invite? <laughs> yeah, it's just it's always on impulse when we decide to do these things. Yeah. So I put it out there. Only you responded. Therefore, it's just you. Way Let's to go. Be a little facetious, but I digress. <laughs> okay, I do have a Halloween uh, thought, and I get it. It's not, we're all off topic from the anime roundtable. But I do have a Halloween uh, thought or story. Funny story. Go for, Go for it. Okay. How much in the way of Halloween candy did you buy this year? I didn't buy any. My family bought one bag, I believe. They. Set some aside for people in case they came, but no one ever comes to our place because we're at the end of the street. We're right beside a big road. And hmm. we, I don't think we turn on our lights enough so that it seems very inviting, even though we do try and turn some lights on. Okay. I, think, I think our house just doesn't seem very inviting. It's sort of a distant area. Like it's, I wouldn't say like completely cordoned off or anything like that or isolated. Sort of. 
Mm-hmm. Because I remember having visited there a couple times. See, the dilemma in my parents' neighborhood, and for reference, here at this area, trick-or-treating is generally not allowed, so they just have a Halloween party. Oh, really? Yeah. In the um, area here. Anyway, so I buy the Halloween candy in my uh, family, and I give it to my parents. Okay. And in past years, it used to be like, I went all out. But my rule of thumb with candy is, give kids something you'd want yourself. So it was always something, I think, okay. Like I wasn't going to cheap out on uh, on the trick-or-treaters by giving them, you know, those cheap little caramels or whatever, right? <laughs> so I always... So, because if there's left something left over too, and often there is, then at least uh, at least uh, we don't. There's uh, it's kind of guilt free in that sense. But as time has gone over recent years, I used to buy like at its peak, I would go to Costco and buy four boxes. But you know, over the last couple of years with the pandemic, we really haven't focused on it. And because I, I was so busy over the last month, I didn't um, buy anything at Costco until it was too late. Everything got sold out. I think quantities were limited for obvious reasons. So I went to Walmart and bought just two small boxes, a Nestle and a Mars bar box varieties. Okay. And then I, on top of it, just to be sure, I topped it off with a bag of... Um, Reese's peanut butter cups. Okay. And after I left, it dawned upon me that at least one of those boxes may not survive to Halloween. Because <laughs> after I left, I remembered what my mother's favorite chocolate bar is. I see. And lo and behold, as soon, when I get to my parents' place and tell them the Halloween candy is here and put it uh, on the table just to let them know where it is, my mom saw the the peanut butter cups and simply said, oh, can I open this now? <laughs> and then she, and then right away she offered a couple to, to my dad. And also right on cue, the the dog made it a point to get in between myself and my mom as if to protect her. Oh, I see. Because, uh, yeah, he knows what to do. He, he, he knows who um, butters his bread in that sense. <laughs> who gives a, who's a good boy? Oh, but yeah. I, I called them earlier. Yeah. I called them earlier, and they told me they didn't even get through the first box. Of course, the re- of course the peanut butter cups never figured uh, into any anything, but they never, you know, never didn't even get past the first box. T- as time has gone in, in the neighborhood, the kids have grown up, and my mother told me that the only people come who came out tonight were teens. I think. Uh, 
parents of younger kids were protecting them. We're still in a pandemic after all. And I can't argue that. Yeah, I feel like there are fewer kids out this year. And of course, the pandemic plays into it. But I feel like over the past few years, fewer and fewer children have been going out for Halloween. Now, maybe this is all coincidental because I I feel like the last few Halloweens have been raining. It was nice today in Toronto, I'll tell you that much, up until yeah. I think sundown and then got a little bit windy. I would say this was the first really nice Halloween weather-wise in a few years. Truly. I lost track, but I, I I take you at your word. It just always feels like for the past, like maybe like four of the past five years, it'd be raining on Halloween and you would have less people feel inclined to go get candy in the rain. I feel in a cold rain on top of it. Yes. And but yeah, that's our neighborhood. And also oh. I feel like there were fewer houses giving out candy as well. At least that's just my perception because I feel like when I trick-or-treated in my area, there were more houses doing it. As well as when I used to live in St. Catharines in Toronto, I felt like a lot of houses were doing it. But I feel like maybe nowadays there aren't as many, and that might be reflective of the immigrants that have come here, and perhaps they don't celebrate Halloween, or they don't care about Halloween, so they just wouldn't give out candy, perhaps. That's just my pet theory. That's a fair theory. I'm wondering myself, what's the birth rate in the Toronto area these days, too? What is the percentage of little kids? Big kids. Well, you know, free candy, right? I mean, this is all anecdotal. I get it. As I said, my mother said it was mainly teenagers this year. So who knows? So Halloween here. Do we want to say a word for Halloween in Tokyo? Because we've heard different things about how it is in Japan. Well, Halloween was only embraced probably in the last few years, no? Yeah, that's the impression I get. I think it's become more of a foreigner gathering thing. And and there's a lot of for better or worse. I, I, I get the feeling when the whole table reassembles, hopefully in the next week, at least Jeff might be able to enlighten us on this. And maybe a few others who listen regularly, maybe even Angela can give me a better sense of it as well. But I know it's sort of a for better or worse scenario. Sometimes sometimes the celebrations there can be downright scary, but more in a, a weird way, not necessarily because anyone's in danger. Well, this podcast has talked about Halloween in Japan before and how foreigners would get pretty rowdy. Yeah, that's what I I think that's what I hinted at. This was back in version one, wasn't it? Yeah. My memory is blurry. There's my middle age beginning to show. And I think it was Angela who brought that up too, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. We'd have I guess we'll have to cite the episode or wherever. I I guess I'd like to think in the years since in our purgatory, the attitude has calmed down. There's a little bit more 
yeah, calmness. That's the word I'm looking for. Whether it be those who celebrate it or those who have to see it. And the, the way um, people react to it. But I think it's just become a little bit more accepted to some degree. But who knows? Somebody, uh, somebody let us know. But yeah, we've had this talk, talk before. Yeah. I think the only... I think the only real sense of Halloween I got in terms of Japan this year was just a quick TikTok or GIF of the voice actress behind Nezuko from Demon Slayer, just wishing people happy Halloween in a bit of a costume. I think it was an angel costume. I think I, I sent, a, sent it along to the others earlier. Check your messages, Kevin. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... As I said, it's been three weeks since we recorded. Do we want to do a COVID update here? Things are calm for the most part. Restrictions have been lifting further. Most places yeah. are allowing capacity, but we are on um, on vaccination passports, so to speak. Uh, I went out last night with friends for dinner. And mm-hmm. yeah, it was... The place was a small restaurant, so it was kind of packed as well, to be honest. Uh, although I feel like there was still some space in between tables. I guess it depends on how you gauge space, to be honest. Uh, I went to Sugo. Which I've never heard of. Sugo is this uh, American oh, Italian-style restaurant. Yes, on you're right. Okay. Down. Okay, yeah, I, I have heard of the place. Yeah, I've I've been to the odd re- restaurant myself, but uh, yeah, it's it's calm at the moment. I mean, with the with the vaccine passport now in place in Ontario, and then it you know adding the QR code within the last couple of weeks, you know we're we're maybe that light at the end of the tunnel is there. The one that I talked about at the end of twenty twenty. And here we are near the end of 2021. I just feel like... uh, I just feel like we're hitting the endemic stage of this thing. hmm. And that... I don't think it'll ever truly go away. I just feel like... No, I think... There seems to be this attitude now. We have to adjust ourselves to live with this. Right? Yeah. That's... We didn't protect ourselves enough. When mm-hmm. the opportunity was there, we didn't close borders quickly enough. We still allowed planes into the country from countries that had hotspots or countries that were hotspots, I should say. So, really, like, that's that's just out of our control as civilians, but then... You're also dealing with people who are vaccine hesitant or people who just don't want to be vaccinated for different reasons, yeah. which, which is, which is honestly in the end, that that's ultimately their decision. But mm-hmm. when you try and impose that view on others, that's when it gets problematic. Yeah, I know. And you know, who's the blame? Who? Each other. Because 
that's what everybody does. <laughs> like so, I, I, so I've started seeing certain friends again that I haven't seen since before the pandemic started even. And yeah, they would tell me like, like I would be probably one of the first five times they've actually sat down anywhere (laughs) for the sake of an example. Well, I mean, I started to like, I was comfortable hanging around a few friends at a point. Mm -hmm. So who knows? I, I feel okay right now. I can't speak for what will ultimately happen in the future. I guess that's a part of a risk I'm willing to take. Yeah, like I'm confident about how the vaccine has settled in me or wherever that's going to go. And we're at the stage now I think we have to just learn to deal with it and learn to live with it and learn to control it, you know, like other things like the flu. Shots are out by the way. I feel like this pandemic really helped me uh, financially, I'll admit, because I was fortunate to be living with my family during that time. Uh Uh-huh. During most of this time, I should say. So I was able to save a lot of money. I was able to, like, build up my savings, build up my investments, because... I didn't need to spend $250 taking Go Transit every month. <laughs> I didn't need to go out to meet people because we were technically not allowed to. So that meant we wouldn't be eating out or I wouldn't be eating out. It meant yeah. that I I had no one to impress. So then I didn't need to go and buy clothing. Though truth be told, a lot of that discretionary spending went to manga instead but i digress that's that's a, another topic in itself yeah i guess for me it was well my income was hit i mean i've never at a point i stopped hiding the fact of where i worked and i've been on furlough from it mm-hmm. for more than a year and a half mm-hmm. taking on various odd jobs they've come and go come and gone and so financially my income sputtered, but somehow I've managed to trudge along. Yeah. And plus, you, plus to our dear listeners out there, and I know there's more than two of you. I get it. I make that joke all the time. There's probably like 10 of us. Yeah, thanks for probably listening, like, Kevin. Probably. <laughs> you welcome. too, Mo. Jeff, thank you so much. It's been a benefit to this show as a whole because it helped me all rediscover all of this. Even as we brought the show back in 2018, we weren't really there just yet, but the pandemic gave me pause for thought and just frankly gave me time to do so. So my fear for this podcast is how many, uh, how much can we still do as things start to settle down again? Mm-hmm. I mean, we got a hint of the bad side of it because as I said, I've been occupied the last 
pretty much the last month or so. And we couldn't uh, get our schedules to match properly to get together and do an episode. And I'm really sorry about that, guys. And it should happen. You, I, I yeah. know the reasons why you couldn't uh, do it. So it, yeah. it's understandable. Mm-hmm. But uh, as I said, maybe we can get, churn out a couple more. I think we can do more than one episode in November. <laughs> okay. On that note, let's talk about a few of the stories we've been following, or at least one story we've been following. Really, the purpose of doing the Space Heater chat is to kind of start a conversation that we can continue when everyone else comes back around the table. So, what's on your mind? Give me one thing, anime, manga, Japan-wise, that has caught your attention in the last three weeks. One or two things, Kevin. Well, one thing that comes to mind is the, the Yomacon panel thing that happened. Oh, wait, I think I... Yeah, go ahead. I think I know where you're about to go with this. So, this was pointed out a few days before the con happened, and this con happened this weekend. I believe it's in Detroit, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, oh, anime Week in Atlanta's going. I know that Dave's been giddy about doing anime hell there again. I mean, it's the home of anime hell for him. Mm -hmm. Sorry, go ahead. So, someone pointed out on Twitter that... Yomacon was holding a panel. I'm, I'm assuming it was a uh, fan panel. Like somebody pitched this panel and then things get accepted or rejected and whatnot. But the title of this panel was The Unsung Heroes of Black and White How to Scanlate and Translate Manga. So the panel reads Manga is an integral way part. Sorry, let me start again. Manga is an integral part of any weeb's lifestyle, but a surprising amount of work is needed to bring the glories of manga to your desired language. Join us as we take a behind-the-scenes look at how scan leaders all over the world perform God's work while making manga dazzling in the process. And I'm pretty sure Yomacon does have... Japanese guests from time to time. I I would imagine they do. But I feel like this is not something you should be holding. This should have been rejected. It feels like it's glorifying some sort of piracy. Yes. Right? It romanticizes it. There's another word, I guess. Yes. I get how the industry was born, both sides of the Pacific. There's a, there a degree of rebellion when it comes to this, when it comes to our fandom, when it comes to the industry now. Crunchyroll was born out of that, sort of. Yes, yes they were. The stories, of course, back in Japan, were born out of a degree of Frustration. But it, 
we've had these discussions before. Like, didn't we have a, a version of this discussion with Anime Tube as well? Yeah, Where, I believe so. Like, like I mean, there's a bunch of angles here, right? And reading the comments is kind of sad as well because, of course, the trolls come out. What caught your attention? I haven't. I I was aware of this. I was aware of this panel. I know of some well-known names in our industry. Sorry, not our industry. We're not in it. In the industry in North America had a few things to say. Yeah, some of the more prominent names in Anna Twitter did comment on this. Uh, Dave did comment on it. Uh, Zach Davison did as well. Uh, he's the one who translates a lot of the Gigagino no Kitaro manga. Mm-hmm. among other things. And, you know, it's... I, I look at how anime become largely legit, how we really do have a lot of people watching anime legally now because there's just so many different avenues. But I, I don't know if manga will ever get to that point at least not for a long long time just because of the sheer amount of manga that exists not to mention that the prominent japanese publishers seem to just want to keep it within their own platforms Hmm. like there will not be a at least I feel like it's going to be a long time before we see a, a crunchy roll of manga. If or ever. a Netflix of manga for that matter. Because I was about to... Sorry? If ever. Yeah, because that's what, I, what was coming to mind. We have not had that streaming moment yet for the book, for not just manga, but really the book industry. Kindle Unlimited, I'm not totally sure that counts. So we're not at that moment just yet. I'm not totally sure we're at that moment. And of course, with manga, everyone's going to find their reasons to justify it. Like, like I'm looking at some of these comments now, and I'm not... People will cite how, oh, well, the main Shonen Jump translator still misspell a main character's name in One Piece. And they often leave out jokes, or they don't do this, or it doesn't come out on time, even though it technically does come out on time. Well, well yeah, I mean, we're like the, just the whole translation thing. We've had that conversation before. That conversation is coming out again as Squid Game becomes really, really popular too. And you know, honestly, it's. People always come up with these excuses. And in the end, I think, you know what? Just own up to the fact that you're stealing this. Like, you don't need to, like... Try and skip. Yeah, like, don't... Yeah, don't tiptoe. Just own it. Like, like, because here's how I see it. Did, did, let's say I'm asking a scanlator this. I ask them... 
like, hey, did you ask the author for permission to do this? And then they'll probably say no. More often than not, the answer would be no. And then it's like, well, but of course they don't want to make themselves look bad. So they kind of like tiptoe around and it's like, well, you know. We want to make them popular. Yeah, like you you did it. It's fine. Just Just don't. Don't tiptoe around it. Just own up to it. Yeah. And of course some like, do because they're dicks, but I digress. That's that's a different kind of animal, too. It's mm-hmm. it's really just... It's really sad because, as I've mentioned before, I have friends who, who will still pirate like Shonen Jump manga, they'll still read Shonen Jump manga legally, even though they can read it officially. They can read it for free. It's they, can, just, or, they can read it for free or at the at worst, somewhat affordable price. Like they could read it for free if they wanted to legally. They just choose not to because it's just not their preferred app. They'd rather <laughs> just go to a different website where they can just read all the all the two hundred other theories that they want to read yeah own it i get it i mean who are you really helping aside from yourselves yeah it's ah that's just all i can say is all i can do is just sigh yeah i i know well as i said well when the everyone else comes to the table we'll uh have another take on it i'm sure and there'll, there'll probably be another thing, another version of this story will uh, spout. I'm genuinely curious how that panel went. Uh, I was trying to see if I can find any discourse on the panel, but then I haven't been able to find anything yet. Well, maybe that'll be the follow-up later in the week when we do a regular episode. Anything else that caught your attention? Uh, one other thing happened. Uh, a week, one or two weeks ago, the, there was a collaboration between, uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion and Undercover, and Undercover is one of my favorite high fashion streetwear brands. Okay. On the topic of fashion, one of your passions. So it was cool to see that collab happen, because I... I suspect that Jun Takahashi, the creator of Undercover, is an anime fan. This would not be the first time he's used anime graphics and acquiring the license to create product with anime on his product. So uh, I know he's done collaborations with uh, My Melody. Or oh, Sanrio. My Melody. Yes, with Sanrio. Sanrio. Uh, two or three seasons ago, or two or three years ago, uh, he did a he did one of his uh, collections focused on um, the Warriors. I know that movie from the eighties about the yes. Gangs. I think it did wasn't it wasn't there either a sequel or a remake recently, or at least within the last ten years? Oh, really? I didn't know that. I wouldn't know. Or, or a remaster, or something to that effect. But it, oh. but it did come back into the uh, into the public's eye some about a decade ago. So what he did was he actually created eight different 
like lines within that season because he wanted to create eight different gangs, so to speak. <laughs> so he designed eight different collections, if you think about it that way. So he created eight fictional gangs, and one of the gangs was called the Bloody Geekers. So a lot of that was, uh, that's like the nerds, so to speak, right? And yeah. who did he use as the main graphic? He used Creamy Mommy. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's go in the other way. So some of, uh, some of the prints have Creamy Mommy on them as well as uh, the mascot. I don't know the mascot's name because no one gives a shit. And uh, it was so there was like the main mommy print, and then he created a couple of camouflage jackets. Where if you look very closely, you'll see mommy's face kind of just distorted throughout the the shirt, like laser printed in different spots, and which is really cool. Like you have to really pay attention to notice mommy in that uh, shirt or in that jacket. Mm-hmm. So, seeing that Evangelion collaboration was not too big of a surprise, and the prices were also not a big surprise. They were very expensive. Uh, <laughs> it's interesting because uh, he made some simple graphic tees with Shinji or some of the angels or some of the Evangelion uh, robots that go for like you know a few hundred bucks here and there, and then he also created these puffer jackets based off of the main three. So uh, Shinji, Asuka, and Rei. They're plug suits or what? The plug suits, yes. And those those are like 600,000 yen, so they're like a good five, 6,000 bucks US. Uh, he even created these, these like robes, I guess is how I would put it, that have the heads of the Eva of the three there, and then it even comes with an LED light switch so that the head can light up, and those are like almost eight hundred thousand yen. <laughs> like he, no, somebody's really... willing to pay it. Geek, there's a lot of rich geeks out there. Yeah, like he went all out. I would say. Well, I mean, it's fashion. Fashion can be pricey, but okay. Yeah, I always right. fashion's art. I was contemplating picking something up, but I'm pretty sure I'm too late at this point because, yeah, a lot of that stuff sold. Well, everything quickly. sounds like it would have been limited edition anyway. They would only make so many, and it also depends on whether or not different stores bought different items. So could have gone that way. It just depends, but I'm sure a lot of that stuff is hard to find now, and I'm sure there's a bunch of that up on Grailed as well inflated mm-hmm. prices but yeah. i always thought that was a pretty cool collaboration well that, that's a, it does sound interesting since we don't we when we talk fashion it tends to be hit and miss right remember when i talked about the uh, ghibli dresses oh yeah a few months ago anyway my turn go for it so which one do you want do you want me to refer to an anime uh, an old school anime property which won't surprise you when you when when I mention it or do you want me to talk about what's actually happening in Japan when it comes to well mainstream news there I have at least two stories in that sense 
We can go with the anime stuff. Well, the anime one is pretty obvious. It's Cowboy Bebop. Like, since we were, were last with you, a few more little things have come out concerning Cowboy Bebop in the lead-up to the live-action premiere later in November. I think it was the 16th, or is it the 18th? I forget off the top of my head on Netflix. So since then, it's been revealed that much of the original Japanese anime voice cast has been hired to do the Japanese language dub of the live action. And they've gone as far as show a couple trailers, like a mini episode, and then an actual trailer came out in the last three weeks. Oh, I saw those, actually. The buzz has been mixed, but at least not totally negative. I think, uh, I think the buzz seems to be it's a real coup to get the original Japanese voices, at least Yamadira and um, Hayashibara, to return. The guy who played Jet passed away back in 2018. Oh. So, but most of the rest of the cast is still there. Although uh, it must be noted, and I forgot her name, but the woman who played Ed... And I know we've had this discussion whether or not Ed will ultimately appear. Because to this point, Ed is missing. Yeah, that was interesting. Like The fact I... that Ed's not around. It, it, well, it, it, if we're going to cast Ed in, in her Japanese voice, the actress who played her actually long retired from voice acting. She's a singer now. She's oh. gotten more into music, but... She really, I think she retired from voice acting in the mid-aughts. She was seven. I think she was 17 when she got the role, by the way, in the first place. I see. There, there's an um, extra that shows interviews with the entire voice cast, the Japanese voice cast. And they showed her, and I think she was in a school uniform too. And then I think uh, we surprised people when, I think it was the first exposure many of the Western audience saw of Koichi Yamadira. Uh, so when people see what Spike looks like and then realize what the guy who played him looked like, I remember showing that in a club and it got a few laughs. Because if you know what Yamadira looks like, he's a rather nerdy looking character. <laughs> We've made other jokes about him. Check, check recent episodes, especially of his marital life. And see the see um, at least uh, his, what his ex-wives look like. But it is interesting that they uh, brought in the cast. But it does lend credence to how how dedicated the showrunners and everybody involved in that production are to really wanting this to look good. And I know we'll have a, little, a lot more to say on it as we lead up to the premiere of, of the live action later in November. So, you know, there's a conversation starter. And I know James and Mo will add to that. But let's put that out there now. Yes, we saw that. Yes, it caught my attention. For me, it doesn't change my attitude concerning watching it. Especially, as I said, since I know John Cho seriously hurt himself in the first days of filming that. But I just want to see. See what they do with it. See how it compares. And 
we can have that debate. So we'll talk about that. Okay. Last episode, we also talked about the new uh, Prime Minister of Japan. And I'm looking it up again, just being sure who I got the, I get the name right. Fumio Kishida. He was elected the head of the um, ruling Liberal Democratic Party in Japan. We talked about him in the context of him making a promise to help help the soft power industries in Japan. We've had that long discussion about how uh, how the anime and manga industry and though those involved in it actually involved in its production or around the poverty line. That's another story altogether. I know we'll eventually get back to that. But what was fascinating or what got interesting later on was after taping, almost immediately, Kishida called an election, dissolved the lower house, the House of Representatives, and called an election. And that election was today, here, October 31st, Halloween here. And the results are in. And... The ruling LDP, the ruling coalition, because it's actually two parties, the LDP, which is a center-right party, and then Komeito, which is a little further to the right party. Sorry, did I say center-left? It's center-right, the LDP. And then Komeito, which is a little further to the right. They maintained their majority hold on the lower house, but it's reduced from before. It's a combination of of first-past-the-post and proportional representation. I forgot the exact ratio, though. But the uh, opposition parties made a few gains. So it's sort of like what happened here in Canada as well, but this is a majority situation. And I'm not totally sure how much really changes here. It's still a solid mandate, I guess. I guess, if it's a majority. But who knows? Even the LDP by themselves hold majority. It's just not to the same degree they did before. But it does give a fresh mandate to Kishida as he uh, begins his prime ministership, or whatever we call it, his rule. So that's uh, one story that caught my attention. And we'll, you know, let's see how he follows through on the uh, promise to soft power industries in, in Japan. Yeah. That's that's a, I guess that's the the relevant part to us in our in the fandom. The other one is a story that we've um well I've always had a small fascination with it. I think if you listened to our chat with uh, with Fred Schott back in 2019, one of the things we talked about at length was him meeting the then Crown Prince and Crown Princess, Naruhito and Masako, who are now the Emperor and Empress of Japan. So we talked a little bit about the Imperial Family of Japan back then. The news this week, if you kept up, is, well, there is a bit, somebody left the Imperial Family. The eldest daughter of the current Crown Prince, Princess Mako, she married out of the family. 
imperial law states that any woman who was born into the family, any princess, if they marry, they are out of the royal family. So Princess Mako is now, can now just be referred to as Mako Komoro, married her uh, university sweetheart earlier this week, who, because um, not too long after they announced their engagement, about four years ago, almost four years ago, I think, back in 2017, a small scandal erupted surrounding his family and like his mom was embroiled in over a, a money issue with an ex-fiance and oh, it ended boy. up of course looking bad on everybody in the fa in the uh, Komoro family as those things do as those things do i mean james can sometimes talk a little bit about the the uh microscope that the british royal family is under and that exists in japan in the, its own weird way like it's it's still very stressful but in its own subtle way and i i think that's a long discussion in and of itself but you know there's a lot of people who did not agree with this marriage in japan there were protests on this but then again, there has been known to be, you know, a lot of hardliners within Japan over how the royal family should be. This is the downside of, okay, after the war, they kind of redefined the role of the emperor. And it must be noted, and I will get back to this point right after, it must be noted that the secession only goes through the males only goes through the men. So the next person in line to the throne would have been the eldest son of the current emperor, Naruhito. But it isn't. It's his, it's his younger brother. Who's, uh, who's named Fumihito. He's the crown prince now. And he'll inherit whenever... Um, Naruhito, for whatever reason, leaves. And who's next? He... Fumihito's youngest son, or only son, who's his youngest child, Hisahito. And then who's after that? That's it. It's a shrinking family. There's a lot of pressure on that young man now, on poor Hisahito. But I guess more interesting concerning the women, as I said, they have to leave the family. So this is so Now just to go back for just backtrack a little bit. There was so much pressure on Naruhito and Masako to produce a male heir and they only have a, a daughter who's now I think 19. That's it. But there's so much pressure on Naruhito to produce a male heir that there were some people, I'm not going to say a lot, because I really don't know, but I know there were, there were rumblings that he should take up a concubine just to get that. Never happened. And with, with Hisahito now there, we, there's at least a more clear, longer line of secession 
unless something happens to the poor, poor young man. But it's even more pressure for the women because there's this phrase, and once again, I, I forgot to bring it up. After the war, we ended up having more of a clarification over the role of the emperor. My understanding is the emperor is not that known to be the head of state of Japan. I don't really know who is. I guess that's the head of government, so the prime minister, I suppose. I would have to double check that. But, but if you're to translate it, translate the actual role of the emperor, I constantly hear this phrase. The emperor is the symbol of the state and the unity of the people. That's the vague translation of, I guess, their role. And I guess uh, in turn, that's sort of the, royal, the rest of the imperial family. So, I mean, I feel for, I felt for Masato. I feel for Mako what she's going through now because she's, you know, I think she's happy to be married and not have to be under that microscope anymore. Her and her and uh, her husband, Kay, they are moving to New York while Kay pursues his um, his certification. He uh, he didn't pass the the he did go to law school in New York, didn't pass the bar exam. He does work as a law clerk presently, but is trying to get his full certification to become a lawyer. And she's out of the public eye, at least in Japan. They'll eventually move to New York in the very near future. And she'll live as a commoner. But yeah, it's, it's one of those things that I think has been unnecessarily dividing people. I mean, this is, this is quite a responsibility for somebody who has absolutely no shot to ascend the throne. And it will have nothing to do with, with its ascension. So, just a little thought, a thought on my on my head. And as I said, royal families are one of those one of those fascinating things for me. Whether it be in Britain, and and then Japan, and the the story of the royal family is something I've personally kept up with since around the time Naruhito and. Uh, and Masato got married more than 30 years ago, I think. It's been, it's been more than 30 years. Give or take, I guess. But those are the stories that have uh, caught my attention over the last three weeks. Not all anime-related, but certainly Japan-related. And maybe, maybe uh, worth a, a talk when uh, Jeff, Moe, and James come back around the table in the next week or so. Okay, I, I went. I rambled for the last ten minutes. I think, Kevin. I, I don't know. Do you want to add anything, or am I? Or you just want to hear what I said? I don't know what else I could add to that because that's just something that I don't follow, to be honest. Yeah, I know. It's just I, I figured it's just something that I like following. It's a very, you know, it's a very Jap uh, Japan thing, and I like to think the listeners of this show hold a little bit of curiosity about the Japanese society itself. It, it, we joke around about it. Otaku, weebs, whatever, Japanophiles. So keep up. This is the way I'm keeping up, that's all. Mm -hmm. 
So I thought I'd put those all those thoughts out there. Just lay it out for a couple uh, for about an hour because we're almost an hour into chatting. I think, uh, Kevin, certainly yeah. over fifty minutes. Uh, you know, I actually only just saw this now, but uh, oh, you have something to add before we go? Well, two things, I guess. Uh, the Spy Family anime got announced officially. Hmm. That was it. Was rumored, and it was really just a matter of when, not if, but. Uh, yeah, it's it's a hundred percent official now because it had been leaked in a, in a sense before this. But ooh, I think that anime will blow up. Uh, it's, mm-hmm. it's a very the next big thing. Manga. It's a very popular Perhaps. manga, so I expect that, that to be very well received. Okay, I think we can. Uh, I'll, I'll look up the headline a little more later on. Anything else though? Uh, Yomokana actually did respond to that. Uh, that tweet that I read, and I actually forgot to credit the uh, the author of the tweet. It was uh, Nicole, who, well, she, Nicole F. Uh, she she's a freelance translator for some of the manga pubs, like like oh, like boy. Seven Seas and like Kodansha, and Iridori Comics as well. Uh, so Yomakon. Speaking of slapping the, the face yeah. of the uh, legit parts of it, right? Yeah. Yomakon posted a long response. Uh, I'm not going to read that because it's it is a literal wall of text, but that's something we could potentially talk about next time. Mm, okay. Well, I have uh, heaven knows I have time to look. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Uh, but as I as I said, this is just something to get our feet wet since uh, we haven't been around for a couple weeks. Yeah. Oh, it's a space eater chat, right? Oh, do you have way. something else? Did that Demon Slayer box that shipped to you yet, or is that not out yet? I don't remember anymore. It's not out. Apparently, I got an email from Indigo that uh, said it was delayed at least into November, I believe. So I haven't been. it hasn't been shipped yet. Okay. A few things have, uh, are actually delayed. I think uh, the first uh, hardcover of... What is it? Oh, the... I forgot the name off the top of my head too. Silent voice. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, that's been delayed too. Instead of uh, New Year, I think it's into spring now. Yeah, I uh, I put in an order for the the first half of the quintessential quintuplets box set. I think it's compiled mm-hmm. for seven volumes or so. That got pushed back a couple times on my end. Yeah, this could be a, a story later on. I think because it sounds like it's not these. Like, it sounds like there's a handful of titles that have now hit the delay. Yeah. Because um, there's still delays with, like, the printers and whatnot. That's That's been an ongoing thing that's been happening. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I admit, I have not always been eager to get the most recent releases. So, like, these are the most recent ones. And here they are. And we're in the middle of a delay. Yeah. Uh, but this might be a, a story worth keeping up with in the next little bit. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be interesting to see how long these things get delayed for. Because I know for quintessential quintuplets, I want to say it was at least twice, maybe even three times. Hmm. Well, well, maybe we'll uh, set an over under as to when uh, these uh, at least some of these titles we're looking forward to will come out. Yeah. Oh. Anyway, I got to switch. Oh, too, one last way. thing. Before my voice uh, 
gives out. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, I was just saying that I got a Switch recently, too. Oh, congratulations. Finally. Yeah. I- well, not to say I know the world all that well, but uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. Can we do something about the PS5, please? <laughs> MacBooks, too, by the way. <laughs> that's another that. story. I'll tell you that off air. I got the OLED model. Oh, that's good, then. Because I was waiting for that mid-cycle refresh, and this seems like this was it, so I bought it. Yeah, that's this. I think this is the mid-cycle refresh, but yeah. No, it's good. Uh, for any first impressions, just quickly? I have not turned it on yet, because I'm waiting for a screen protector. <laughs> mm, it's kind of like my mother with her iPad mini. Because it technically comes with a very thin film protector. Thing, doesn't sound like much. But I, I just would prefer to have protector at this point so yeah i'm just waiting for that to come in and then i'll boot it up and play pokemon and <laughs> well way to go with the patience yeah and i'm waiting for shin megami tensei 5 to come on in a couple weeks too that's probably another thing that i'll be trying to play hmm. okay well have fun with it i guess uh, i'll i'll have to figure out my next watch after uh after Kaguya-sama, Love is War. I finished season one finally yesterday. Oh, nice. Yeah. I haven't watched yeah, it yet. Yeah, I like it. I like season well, one. Well, yeah, I have to, uh, I'd have to go on officially on Funimation, but I guess we'll go unofficial. Oh, yeah, and I guess um, I want to acknowledge this story before we go tonight because uh, it could turn out kind of interesting later on. Um, our friend Jesse, Bef- uh, Jesse Betteridge, he uh, texted me a few days ago mentioning that Crave has picked up a handful of HBO Asia titles. So chief amongst them to me are Master of the Shadowless Kick, which is a prequel to the Once Upon a Time in China series because it follows the adventures of Wang Feihong's father, Wang Keying. And Miss Sherlock, the Japanese series, which was uh, such a hit when it came out a few years back. I'm going to look this up just quickly because now I have to I have to type it in. Remember, we talked about its star. We talked about her, its star Yuko Takeuchi earlier this year because she was also the star of the Seven Year Goodbye, which was featured during the. Uh, the Japan, uh, the Japan Film, uh, Japan Foundation Film Festival Plus. She made news, unfortunately, a year ago when she committed suicide. And but Miss Sherlock is considered one of her last great works. She's the titular character, and I think the first time they adapted Sherlock Holmes into a female. So it takes a, a really fascinating. Portrayal. That's pr- those two shows are premiering on Crave in I think mid November or early November. So it, it sort of makes sense because Crave holds the uh, HBO rights in Canada. Although I think that still had to be a separate deal. I believe Miss Sherlock appeared on Hulu also in the states, but in much of the rest of the world, it would have been on whatever version of HBO would have existed regionally. So, or. I think in Asia, but in, in in other parts, it might have been on Netflix. So we were wondering which part of the equation would it eventually go. And it 
went with the Crave, the uh, HBO Canada part of the equation. Okay. But Miss Sherlock is a very fat, uh, sounds like a really fascinating take on the uh, Sherlock Holmes story. I think they, people said it has more of the uh, Benedict Cumberbatch feel to it. So that could be just interesting in and of itself. And sadly, uh, there if there is a second season, it won't uh, be with its star. So I guess there won't be a second season. Yuko Takeuchi, as we mentioned, um, unfortunately... Uh, committed suicide a year a little over a year ago and the husband she left behind is somebody we've talked about way in the past that's Taiki Nakabayashi the uh, who's become a well-known actor in the uh, years since we first mentioned him way back in version 1 when he made his big break playing Godai in a live action adaptation of Maison Koku. he won a he won an open audition for that and uh, that was his um, that was his big break, and he's become a rather prominent actor since then. But yeah, like it's going to be tough. I it, like those two titles, and looking at some of the list of what's coming up on Crave, it's enough to make me curious about getting a subscription with them. Although I think we'll talk a little bit more about that later on. They did change their subscription tiers, and I think I think. We'll talk more about that with Mo, especially Mo, because he I know he holds a fascination with with various uh, streaming services. So um, let's save the rest of that discussion when he's around the table, okay, Kevin? Mm-hmm. But I thought I'd put that out there too. There's the there's the last thing that uh, caught our attention, and that's basically what's on our mind in this uh, for this space heater. Unless you have something else to add, no. Oh, well, I also placed a pretty big yet in press order, but that's just a little nugget because I'm trying to uh, fill in a lot of holes in my collection. I say that about stuff that's now out of print. Anyway. I also picked up as much Silver Spoon as I could, too. <laughs> Good so for gonna, you. I'm going to finish up Barakamon and then uh, try and get most of Silver Spoon dealt with, among others. Maybe I'll actually read a, read another book. I have time. <laughs> anyway. But uh, that's all we got for this Space Heater chat. So hopefully we'll be able to do a regular episode within the next couple days. But if you have any uh, comments or want to be part of the conversation, you're always welcome around our table. AnimeRoundtable at gmail.com you can email us old school there. You can contact us on the socials, Twitter and Instagram, at Anime Roundtable. And if you're curious about the past, because the past is a wonderful thing overall. It is, you can see where our thoughts were and here are the lessons we offered way back then. AnimeRoundtable.com is our website, show notes, and our archive of past episodes. And wherever you're listening to this, to help us in the algorithm, give us a review wherever you're listening to this, if possible. Because uh, we could always use uh, the exposure. It'd be nice, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, you know, positive review or good feedback or honest feedback. We'd like to know. But uh, you're always welcome to 
you know, be part of the conversation. But hopefully, hopefully this is the last Space Heater chat we do before episode 53. So we hope you join us for then. Thanks for listening.